This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey, this is Mega Rand, teacher, rapper, hero, waffle lover. And you're checking out ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Turn it up and share. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words with no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. And welcome back to the Journal of My Life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah, counting down the days to New York Comic Con, my very first New York Comic Con, the COVID era of New York Comic Con. Uh, It's going to be very interesting, like I said. Like, um, this is going to be awesome. I wish I were able to go in 2020 or even 2019. But that's not the case because I'll be able to compare and contrast. But um, it's not the case. But I am still very happy that one they're able to do a show and an event as well. I heard all the other repop events uh, popped off really well, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this one. And uh, this is going to be major. This is going to be really, really major in terms of like what they're doing. The uh, panels, events, and everything is going to come out of this. So. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait to go there. I got some other plans that I'm going to be trying to accomplish as well when I'm down there. So I'll keep that under wraps until it actually happens or if it happens. But nonetheless, as I said last week or the last few weeks leading up to this point, that this and the Select Start podcast will be the uh, last podcast going into this time because I won't be doing a pod- no shows next week because I will be in New York full time doing press. Um, you know, covering everything that it is to cover in that event, you know, as possible, hopefully getting some, you know, um, quick, rev- uh, quick interviews or such over there. I'll see what I can do when I get over there, but it's going to be a lot like really overwhelming because this is the first time. So I, I think I, I've met, I've meet, um, been through the trifecta of everything. I've, um, been to most cons, but in terms of the bigger ones, I've been to San Diego and now I'll be in New York Comic Con. So I figure bucket list <laughs> made at this point. Not only that, but I'm going in as press and as a guest. So 
that I think is just even more significant for me going in because you know this is my first one and I'm able I'm going in as a you know as a member of the press so it's just awesome and it just it just um and it's just a testament to everything that's been going on with talk time live in the podcast and everything and I'm just very proud of the road that I was able to go with this since its uh inception here so on our talk topic today I am going to be talking about my thoughts on Venom. Let there be carnage, the sequel to the movie. I refused to watch uh, the first time around and put money in theaters. And the only reason why I paid for it this time is because I heard rumors of a significant crossover happening. And the question is for this is that was it worth going through two hours to see these rumors come true? We'll talk about that in our talk topic today. So, you know, we also got some other things in related to Marvel, including the jaw dropping episode of what if these uh, the I guess you could say the semi season finale episode um, of that, which is uh, it, it, I, I, we got to talk about that. Definitely. Uh, we got some other news in, in the world of Marvel as well. And my thoughts on Baki Hamna, which uh, came out this week on Netflix. So let's not waste any time, folks. Let's find out. What's new in the world of ACMG? And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. All right, folks, so we're going to start off with what I call great news, absolutely phenomenal news. And if you understand the situation, from a business standpoint, if you ever done, you know, done any type of business where it relies on some form of contractual agreement, then you should understand how this should have turned out. Like anybody who understands business doesn't need a crystal ball to predict the obvious on how this should have gone down. And I am happy to say that Scarlett Johansson got a settlement from Disney over the Black Widow lawsuit. Uh, according to Hollywood, the Hollywood Reporter, the terms and deals weren't uh, were not disclosed. However, uh, they did settle, and as a result, they both came to a working agreement here. And uh, Scarlett Johansson went on to say, and I quote: "I am happy to have resolved our differences with Disney." Stated Johansson. I am incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years, and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in the years to come. Uh, Disney chairman uh, Alan uh, Bergman added to this. I am very pleased that we were that we have been able to come to mutual agreement with uh, Scarlett Johansson regarding Black Widow. We appreciate her contribution to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and look forward to working together on a number of upcoming projects, including Disney's Tower of Terror. Uh, So it worked out which is great uh which probably means that she got the money that she was looking for and deserve or came to a you know minimum because the nine chances out of ten the money that she was asked for wasn't really the money that she was looking for case in point lawyers and lawsuits always say go high before they could go down to that to that actual that hot that sweet point that they really want so there's that possibility there so it looks like they came to that agreement and um it's great because i was all on her side with this whole entire thing if they said that she was to get full 
benefits from box office yet they in box office only and then they go to disney plus yeah you screw on my money you score like why shouldn't she complain about this okay I, I how i don't understand why there were a lot of people on social media who probably has never done any type of business negotiations and don't understand how this works for real and they have there's a lot of misconceptions out there now she was on she was in a, she was in a total right to do this and i i think she was very i wouldn't say brave to say to, to do it i think she she was um very diligent and very assertive in doing so because a lot of times women and and mostly black people in, in, in hollywood get screwed so it, it this is a really good win for not only her but like everybody who has probably went through this before i remember um jennifer lawrence also had to fight to make sure that she you know got paid properly and a few other um female actors in uh the industry like they you know things are changing but hollywood is s slow on a change but it's great to know that they were able to work it out here so the black widow actress uh filed a lawsuit in july after disney decided to use the film to grow their disney plus streaming service if you guys recall i was one of the people who was like screw it i'm gonna get um premiere access <laughs> and watch it at home and which is better i mean the whole experience is better and by the way it still remains that i love watching premiere movies at home as opposed to theaters as a result of when i went to go see venom but we'll talk about that there but jo uh, johansson still relied on box office potential sales and when disney made the move to provide quarantined fans uh the opportunity to watch at home through disney plus premiere access it blocked her uh chances to gain full profit uh that she would have received that led to a huge back and forth uh, battle, you know, online and in, per and in person. Like Disney was really wrong. They tweeted something that tried to, you know, make her feel like that, that, that really tried to vilify her at the time, you know, and, and make her feel like she's the bad guy for, you know, wanting more money and money that she was owed instead of them saying like, you know, we were doing it for the people who couldn't go to the movies and all the stuff. So, you know, Far be it for, and, and that's fine if you if that's what you did. Just still make sure she gets a cut of the profit from that because Disney Premier Access got bank. I mean, so many people watched it at home and such. You know, it, it, it was just a shame. So that back and forth happened, and then it, on top of that, you had again, like I mentioned, fans uh, in a divide for some odd reason. Well, I knew it was a reason because people think that they know what they're talking about or know and understand things but never done things before you know i never had that actual experience or business experience to really understand why she was owed this okay or didn't have all the information you know down so they they comp a lot of people comment before they research before they read up on things and that's literally what uh, happened here and that's why it was such a divide in this case but you know Nonetheless, um, Johansson has been supported by not only, you know, people like myself, but um, other people in an industry, it, it, especially the female uh, actors of SAG and SAG after or whatever, such as Jamie Lee Curtis, who spoke out, Elizabeth Olsen, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, who spoke out, uh, uh, not Elizabeth Olsen, I mean, uh, Wanda, um, 
Wanda Maximoff, <laughs> Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen, who spoke out as well, and uh, Jason Bloom, because, you know, they probably have went through the same thing through other films and whatnot, and they don't want to be short-sighted again. So, they, you know, why not? I, I don't blame them at all. Nonetheless, it was settled. I feel better now because I can enjoy watching that movie a little bit more, knowing that there there was now peace within that situation. And it, it, it sucks because, I mean... The movie is good. It's not like the best thing in the world, but it was still good. Um, it did make a lot of money. And uh, she deserves for all the years that she's done that character and been an instrumental part of that character as well. Like, I mean, she she was definitely a, a, a valuable asset to that to that team, to that movie, to all those movies or whatnot. So they utilize her insanely well see she deserves every bit of money that she was owed and signed for for that so all right switching gears real quick i want to give my thoughts on baki hamna on netflix so if you watch any baki anime you know what to expect extremely violent uh mixed martial arts fighting over the top antics and feats of strength and abilities and agilities that you will never be able to pull off and anywhere and these are supposed to be like just these guys don't have superpowers they just it's like um if, for those who don't who haven't watched baki it's like watching you know uh one punch man who basically is a guy who just overtrained and did so much and you know these guys not only overtrained but they also understand the martial arts techniques that they do to a T and every minute detail here and what you get is some of the most fiercest insane over-the-top battles and then on top of that even other more insane things happen within it for those who don't understand what Baki is and why I would highly recommend this especially if you're like a big combat sport fan or a fighting game fan or something like, like Baki is that truth Baki is a child prodigy fighter. At the age of 14 or 13, he had better, he was better suited, uh, he was a better suited fighter than virtually any champion in the world, except one person. And that's his father, Yujiro Hamna, the demon. Uh, a guy that like literally is just borderline ruthless. And Baki's still from that time was to be trained to be the greatest among them all and to be as great as his father to be worthy of um a a competitor for his father like his father birthed baki only for the simple idea of fighting him and making sure that he's the greatest of all time but doing so he did it under ruthless ways he uh yujiro was abusive he he hated he, he didn't hate his wife but he, he didn't care for his wife in the way that she cared for him and basically what happened here is that i mean she would be he would be very abusive to her like not exactly abusive, but in a, in a sense like very uncomfortable abusive um yeah he yeah no he was just plain abusive and i mean so much to the point he she he killed his wife he had no care for anybody um so baki wind up going all around the world finding some of the most ruthless most dangerous deadliest fighters in the world to face and considers them all training 
you know, they weren't training. They were trying to kill him and he just had to survive. And he was able to uh, persevere from this. The original Baki, I think, came out sometime in the early 90s. I believe it was like an OVA uh, anime that came out. It was like a one-time OVA anime. Uh, Baki the Grappler. Um, and basically like it was based around him being a prodigy in a underground, you know, arena that was under the Tokyo dome in Japan that nobody knew about except for a, a select few. And why he wind up ended up getting, uh, you know, becoming one of the best out there. And what the series did is expanded on that, uh, entire situation because he went up against this guy named the core cutter who was able to not only pierce through people's skin with their hands but able to snap out the cords you know taking out certain parts of their anatomy not to be used and that's how he would beat them so baki had to go through that and he even the dude even took out the veins in his neck that connected to his optics it was like it, it really is that like people this is this is the this is the anime this is like anime at its core like the Pokemon, the Yu-Gi-Oh's and all the stuff, that's, that is content that later came out later on. Like, stuff like Fist of the North Star, Vampire Hunter D, um, you know, Legend of the Overfiend, stuff like that, and then Baki as well. That was anime that we all discovered growing up in, like, the early 90s, the early, um, the late 80s, early 90s and such. And then you also had Sailor Moon, but guess what? Sailor Moon was also kind of adult-oriented as well. As what, as such as, uh, Dragon Ball Z, as such as, um, Ramna One Half, like, there's, like, sexual, you know, continuity in there, there's, <laughs> you know, adult-oriented nature and stuff there. You know, this was not, anime is originally not for kids, but now they kind of made it a little bit more family oriented in a sense or kid friendly for some but there's still the hardcore anime that's out there and baki still goes to that core of the old school in there um but yeah he goes out and trains everywhere and all of this to simply face his father and partially avenge his mother because that was a whole situation and i i, I still wish I, I don't know why but netflix has the right to create new anime for Baki, but they didn't haven't acquired the first like few episodes, the first um two seasons of Baki, which was like I think I forgot how many um episodes there were in there because they uh, let me see 2021 2007 they had a they had a lot of episodes um in there I think it was like 52 each in the first two episodes of the series of the original series when he was a kid so like it says uh 2020 18 that's the newest one yeah they're not count i'm looking at wikipedia right now they're not counting the original wait the original television series 2001 uh 1991 here we go no that's the manga yeah for some reason they're not counting the actual anime series because they're counting the ones that came out of 2001 which is not, I don't think that's the one that they're looking for. But it was like 52 episodes of the first one or the second one. Because I think I still have those episodes somewhere uh, archived in my um, in my system. But man, it's just some of the most over-the-top thing. Like, you won't see this type of storytelling anywhere else. It's just wild. And this time around, we're getting closer 
to him facing Ujiro because Ujiro admitted in this season that he is finally ready to face Baki. He feels that Baki is worthy enough to face him. Baki just has one more test that he's looking for before he faces his father. So this entire season of Baki Hamna, which I believe they're just, it's an entirely new series because they're separating it from the previous series that they came out with leading up to this. Um, where they had all you know the inmates all escape just to face Baki <laughs> like all the deadliest inmates in, around the world from every you know state penitentiary prison you know that were like serial killers or whatever come after Baki um this time around Baki goes into the to the uh penitentiary that Mr. Unchained is in and he wants to face Mr. Unchained because he figures he's this only other guy who's but probably like the second strongest dude of the entire world that's next to um Ujiro at this point so he figures he has to face him and to do this this is hilarious and, and what I, the other thing i do like about this show too and i uh, i failed to mention is that they reference a lot of real world um history in terms of um rather historical things or even historical um historical things based around actual sports history and legendary figures like Muhammad Ali, um, you know, Sonny Liston, which they mentioned in this uh, season here. Um, who else did they mention too? Um, Mike Tyson made it this uh, season, but they call him, they don't call him Mike Tyson because again, if you guys remember like the Mike, what is it? Um, not the Mike Tyson's punch out thing, but Mike Tyson's uh, brand always knows how to find get people and find people and sue people so they can't necessarily because if you guys remember you guys realize remember um for those who are video game fans street fighter came out with ball rug which was the boxer um uh was the boxer that was a part of shadowloo but in japan his name his name is actual m bison which is a mimic of mike tyson but for america they had to change it around so ball rug ends up taking that name vega which was originally m bison's uh, name here you know they did a lot of they little uh, did a lot of switching around to not get sued by mike tyson basically is what i'm saying so baki they're doing the same thing they they got a guy who kind of looks like mike tyson but they're calling him iron michael to not be confused and they don't put the actual uh tattoo on his face to really make it you know like it is but he looks like um mike tyson guaranteed looks like mike tyson like the old ball-headed mike tyson of recent and yeah i mean it's it's hilarious so like he's on here and on top of all of that of all people that they have on here and it, it which i love about this is because they kind of based it on we never understood where, where the timeline was with this um with the show but we kind of get an idea so we find out that by in order for baki to get into this supermax you know prison he has to get approval from the one person in the world that nobody ever thought about and that is president at the time george bush who is in the show we get an anime George Bush on the show. I am not joking. I am not lying when I say this. We got an anime George Bush. <laughs> and what I love about this is that they make George Bush come off like such a, like a, I, I, I use a family term, a whip. 
<laughs> he is coming off like such an, a wimp, you know, if you will. That's the only, that's probably the safest thing I could call him right now. But he is totally afraid. There was even a scene here where like Yujiro is being protected by the Secret Service and all that stuff. But, and he's in the car, but his driver chauffeuring him is George Bush in a red tracksuit. It is absolutely hilarious so baki abducts george bush in order to get into the actual jail cell so he approves of him to get there and all this stuff it's hell it's just the stuff that these guys do it's like they rule the world even though there's like world leaders and everything you know making the world go round these guys are behind the scenes actually making the world go round especially yujiro who's been in the military but he he's yujiro can be summed up like anime's version of killmonger but I think he's just way worse. <laughs> he is still considered like one of the worst villains in all of anime right now. Like he he's in, in damn sure the worst father ever. Like people joke about Ko, uh, Goku. Goku loves Chi Chi. Goku loves Gohan. He may not be there all the time, but he's out saving the world. Yujiro killed his wife, beat the living crap out of his son, killed so many other people and still walks the earth with you know with some form of immunity you know so there you have it <laughs> but this one is just this was just absolutely you know in the mix of all of the things that is going on so you got 12 episodes here unfortunately i'm thinking that we were going to actually finally get the showdown between baki and and yujiro but it, there's still a very slow burn of that this is it had like i'll tell you this they have to do it the next season like next season needs to be all about the fight between baki and yujiro because they're fans who've been following this show since the 90s and we've all wanted to see this this character or even the 2000 the early 90s to uh, late 90s 2000s we've been wanting to see yujiro get handed by baki for what it feels like forever so this has to happen I, I mean i like this season this season was awesome i thought it was hilarious i still love the references just like i and i failed to mention like muhammad ali was in the last season and then his fictitious son muhammad ali jr was a focused character in here like we all know that muhammad ali never had a son he had um Layla ali who became like one of the um you know legendary boxers in her own right um but they wind up, you know, making a fictitious son who was entering these tournaments as well and wanted to be just like his father. Muhammad Ali is one of the only other guys that even, which I, I absolutely love, that even Ujiro Hamna recognizes as one of the greatest of all time and one of the strongest. Like, there's a manner of respect shown for Muhammad Ali in this series. It's a high, to the highest of regards for Yujiro Hamna to recognize him as one of the greatest of all time. That's saying a lot. So those two have like a friendship and a kinship and they got two sons that also, you know, go in a well. So like if you haven't watched the last season, watch the last season. It's awesome. And this is no different here. But, you know, he's in this prison. He is going through all of these, you know, matches, you know, and fighting all these people, including this guy named the second who is basically a second generation fighter to somebody else but he's trying to take over uh he's trying to take over oliver aka mr uh unchained 
place in prison as the number one guy and it's not the case and it come even even gets weirder and funnier is that like mr unchained is doing all of this simply to for the person that he uh he apparently loves and come to find out nobody everybody was shocked and surprised that his girlfriend is not only real but it is this woman who he is absolutely enthralled with and in love with who just happens to be like possibly one of the most obese women of all time ever seen like she she could barely if you ever watch one of those like jerry springer episodes or something like that where like there's someone there's somebody that um that was so obese they couldn't get out their house and they had to saw you know um parts of their house out just to get them out so they could get them help and get them you know you know to uh lose the weight or whatever like that this is kind of like that but you, what is kind of cool about this is that regardless of what she looks like regardless of what she what you know people project her as or think mr unchained only sees her as the most beautiful thing in the world and it was really kind of sweet like she would treat him so bad because she was she had such resentment and you know pain because of her situation and she thought that it, you know everybody was would hate her or whatever he sees only beauty within this woman and he's like inspired by this woman regardless it was an interesting thing i you know what's crazy is that like i think had this had this episode come out or yeah this episode come out like maybe a decade or two ago this would be a laughing stock joke today's situation is from a different perspective it's like you know all things considered yes she is obese she's not your normal kardashians or normal anything you know instagram models or whatever but it's a sign of like just see people for who they are like you got this guy who is just ridiculously swole and muscle tone who could possibly go after any woman around the world or whatever like that he chose this woman and he made sure that she got just as much respect from the inmates in there and they were like thousands of inmates in there nobody said anything about her because they didn't want to get killed by this dude so that was that situation and it was what it was it was pretty cool it was really cool that they did that but they you know she became an interesting character in this story as well comes to find out baki actually beats him of course and um you know it, it's really interesting because baki got himself in there he could easily get himself out and since he beat mr unchained he winded up you know and mr unchained said like look you can't be we both you can't be number one and i can't be number two so in order for me to be number one i need y'all to let him free out of this prison <laughs> so he could still be number one <laughs> so baki ends up getting uh freed out of prison ends up going back and looks like next season hopefully and I mean, hopefully we will get a chance to see the final showdown between him and his father and his father needs to, he needs to get it. And I noticed too, the one thing is Yujiro is actually him. They started to bond a bit more and that kind of creeps me out in a sense is that like, all right, they're finding some mutual respect, but you got to remember, dude, he killed your, he killed your moms. I'm like, no, you can't, that, that, that can't be forgotten. I'm sorry. So we'll see how that goes hopefully next season they can't drag this any longer they cannot because they already he already accepted him he's ready to face him it's time 
I don't know when the next season is coming out, but it they have to. They better not leave us hanging. Okay, we got so far. We're getting so close to the end. I want to see this happen. So, all right, last bit of uh, conversation or a subject I want to talk about, of course, is this week's episode of Marvel What If, which is actually playing on my TV right now, right on time, as I started this conversation because this was the best. Ep- this was the Infinity War of What If episodes. Like everything that happened in, in Infinity Wars, in terms of like, oh my God, this is changing everything. What is going on? Everything is happening. They did exactly the same vibe and feeling on this episode because this episode is What If Ultron won? Let's talk about this, man. Jaw dropping. Possibly the greatest episode to date of this season. In this series so much so that the final the season finale has to top this it has to it's i mean they've been going great so far with all these episodes being one better than the other as they're going along this has to be the, the final episode has to be the end game it has to okay uh, it will see but my thoughts on this, basically, let's run it down what's going on. Natasha Romanoff and Clip Barton seeks to destroy Ultron as he gains the Infinity Stones, causing chaos throughout the universe and the multiverse. This episode that the Watcher says breaks his heart. This universe is based around the Age of Ultrons, but then kind of segues itself further and deeper to the, the Infinity Wars uh, side of things. We see Natasha racing against an army of Ultron drones or sensory drones is what they call them while Clinton with the cybernetic arm tries to slow them down from afar so these two are like the two last remaining Avengers out here they are both in a post-apocalyptic version of Russia in this world because Ultron has destroyed everything and anything in the world aside from them we learned that Ultron in this universe managed to get his hands on um, the body in Soul Stone that Jarvis used to become Vision in Age of Ultron. Uh, now, Ultron has the power to rid himself of all of mankind, and he did exactly that, with the exception of Hawkeye and Black Widow. We see Ultron taking down all of the Avengers while launching missiles to destroy everyone, including Clinton's family leaving them all alone to find a way to stop him once and for all the most devastating and jaw-dropping moment of any episode of any marvel series to come so far it's when thanos with the majority of the infinity stones appears to earth to retrieve the soul stone from ultron because you know in infinity war he did just that not this universe only to be laser sliced within seconds of meeting him Ultron kills him getting all of the stones at his hands Ultron takes the stones from a sliced Thanos and becomes a god and creating all of the uh, he actually creates the infinity armor which if any of you play Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 you kind of recognize that armor. It looks very similar to that armor on air. That um, that Thane, which was uh, Thanos' uh, son in the comics and everything, he's on the game as well. He winds up taking over. 
And when this happened, and I'm, it literally just happened just now. It literally just happened just now uh, on my TV screen. Nobody was prepared for this. Nobody expected this. And not only on top of that, when he took the stones, he, he, dude, Ultron is just ruthless. He took the stones, burned off his hand just to get the stones, man. This, that was, that was savage. Okay. Um, when I saw this, and when people saw this and we were online talking about it on the ACMG Facebook group, we, I say like none of y'all was ready for this. I wasn't ready for this. People were like, yes, we were not ready for this. This was just in insane. And then on top of this, he creates an entire legion. I mean, millions and millions of Ultron century droids to take over. And it, it like a virus, they just come and inhabit, take over Asgard, take over Ego, nowhere every like everywhere they go in the universe they just destroy everything in the world and after achieving his goal of nothingness ultron becomes depressed at the idea of like that there's nothing left for him to do that is until he heard a voice narrating behind him realizing that the watcher was there <laughs> this is only the second most powerful being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to, that that could ever detect the Watcher. Only the celestial beings and the, and, and, and the gods are able to see the Watcher and such like that. And then if you could recall on a previous episode, Doctor Strange was the other one who was able to see that as well. When the Watcher realizes that he's being seen, he has become frightened at the idea of this. And he knows that this could be catastrophic if Ultron even knows and gains knowledge of the multiverse because that means he can take over everything and it's slowly but surely it's going to happen we do see captain marvel however try to even stop him but to no avail and it's, it's unfortunate because she ends up uh you know dying at the hands of him as well so ultron becomes obsessed of this idea of gaining into this uh, gaining access to this realm the Watcher is hoping on all on the possibility that Natasha and Clint uh, Clinton um, can find the answer uh, to defeating Ultron. The two enter an archive in the Russia uh, in Russia, looking for the one. Actually, was it Russia? Or was it Siberia? It was Siberia, I think it was. Um, looking for one of the one thing that they uh, gained them the advantage over Ultron. After hours of searching, the only thing Natasha found was the shield once owned by her quote-unquote father red guardian so she ends up taking that for herself clinton um is losing hope despite getting very close to finding the information that they're looking for and the watcher is badly wanting him to uh wanted to guide him into doing it but he knows he cannot you know he cannot interfere at all thankfully natasha checked the uh that spot and would find the key to possibly defeating ultron uh, with schematics on Captain America's greatest enemy, Armin Zola. One of them, at least, I should say. The two, okay, the two then head off to Siberia, but unfortunately, Ultron found uh, the Watcher. And only to discover that at that time, he has much more for his purpose because now he realizes that there are multiverse uh, of universes out there that he could go and destroy which is really really bad also take note and i had this conversation with somebody on our acmg facebook group that his use of the affinity stones are still powerful 
through the multiverse and that's really saying something because if you guys read any marvel comic books that you know that there is a multiverse and within each universe the infinity stones work only for that particular universe but they don't work anywhere else and if you guys watched loki you saw that one of the uh, employees of the uh of the tva had a ton of like dozens of infinity stones in his in his drawer like using them as paperweights because in that era in that area they don't they don't they don't work at all so i mean they're sticking to that situation on the in the comics with that at least but in this particular situation infinity stones are working which is bad news here so this uh leads to the watcher getting into battle with ultron as well oh the end that that battle Shoosh, my goodness natasha and clinton clinton Mar uh manages i should just say black widow and hawkeye at this point black widow and hawkeye manages to find zola and try to convince him to infiltrate the uh ultron's code hopefully stopping the century drones once and for all the century drones enter the law um the place where uh black widow and, and hawkeye set a trap for zola to compromise the century drones um just for extra security natasha took out the legs of uh, of uh zola who's in this century drone of his own just to make sure that he doesn't try anything stupid and uh which is a very smart thing because armazola is known for doing stuff like that so uh after this is right after he they downloaded his information onto uh the century drone zola was unsuccessful however in an attempt to um take over and and, and uh, compromise their code because he was out of range the three ended up in the rocket launch site where iron man uh fought captain america and bucky in civil war so this is all that this is where all that setting is at in a interesting turn of events clinton ends up sacrificing himself so that natasha and zola can uh have enough time to escape so hawkeye is now dead which is a reflection of what happened in infinity and in, uh in game because natasha died there at that time so this is like in his other world natasha's still alive he's back so that was a definitely um a reflection in reference to that situation there um we also at this point get to uh, go back to the watcher in a omega level kirby dot battle with ultron as the two fight through multiple universes this was awesome if you guys it, for video game fans if you um or i should say fighting game fans and the fighting game community that are listening right now if you guys remember what was it which which uh, it was mortal kombat 11. mortal kombat 11 we see um Liu kang and raiden fight within different versions or different timelines of um of their battles and they're going through different versions of mortal kombat and it is one of my favorite scenes of um of 11 before he becomes fire god Liu kang they kind of did the same thing here where every time ultron would hit the watcher they he hits him right into another universe and whatnot and it was just it, an awesome you know scene uh indeed like a, sequ a whole entire sequence that just epic <laughs> there's no other way to say it um just before ultron crushes the um Wait, 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 I'm, I'm going, I'm skipping my notes. Another, uh, yeah, let's talk about another crazy moment is where Ultron punches uh, the Watcher into the world where Steve Rogers is president elect. So you have that. And then he also exposes um, 
the Watcher to the likes of humans in that universe. By doing so, Ultron is destroying the natural order of the multiverse by this point, you know? And might I say this, the fight between Ultron and the Watcher, by far the best battle of and, and, and Thor and um and, and Thor and Captain Marvel, you know, fight was really great. This one supersedes it. This one is just it's just insane at this point. Like the animation in here is just beyond anything anybody ever comprehended from Marvel at best. I mean, this is animation that literally competes with anime and we finally get to see this. It's just oh we this is what we knew Disney can do. Okay. Like Disney started creating animation, animated shows that like didn't level up to what we like. I'm I'm like a Gen X kid, so I grew up watching the classic Disney animated movies and such and cartoons and everything. Even like the DuckTales and, and Rescue Rangers era and all the stuff and the Gargoyles era was still way better. And then recently they started falling off on the, the art style that they're normally used to and the animation style that they're used to. They you know, Walt Disney was grew up on his signature style of animation. And we get it back with this series and it's all of its glory for the right purpose, man. Uh, so, you know, we got him exposed and just before Ultron crushes the skull of a defeated watcher, he manages to break free and flee to the one safe place he felt was the best place to go. The dark void prison of Dr. Strange. He felt he tells Strange who appears out of nowhere that he is out of options. Strange then asks him, is he ready to break his oath? Meaning he's going to have to do the one thing that he was vowed never to do in order to save all of the multiverse. And the watcher says yes, and he's going to need his help. And that's how this episode ends. My freaking goodness. What a hell of an episode. Only one. It's like so great. Like this was exactly what happened in Infinity War. And it's like, Wow, they're ending it with Thanos beating the Avengers and killing off some of the Avengers and killing off half of the universe. Endgame will have to be just as good, if not better. And they were able to do that. So can they do it again with this? And if they do, and this comes out to be a hell of an episode, there will be a argument as to whether this show this series is the best series among even the live action versions the falcon and the winter soldier wandavision all this may in fact and and those series was good and i'm going to go back and watch loki and wandavision and falcon and the winter soldier and prep and counting down for the days of hawkeye but this right now if they make if they top next week the season finale episode and top this one this may be the best series of them all i'm just saying i am just saying man so i when i get back uh to doing the show after new york comic-con i will i think talk topic will be not only me reviewing this show and giving my thoughts about this this uh the final episode the season finale episode of season one and i say that because it looks like they will be having a season two but also they um to, to really rate and and rank the episode the the series all the series so far on disney plus uh even even though again hawkeye is not coming out i i 
wouldn't be surprised to say that Hawkeye would probably be it would probably be fun and great. I don't think it would be the best. I I, I just have this hunch, uh, and I could be wrong, and I hopefully I am. But you know, I I can I can definitely say it'll be a fun, enjoyable series. I think that that will be definite. But man, they really goodness. How, what are they gonna do? How is this gonna end? And bake and, and take note. This animated series is connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So like everything that's going on here is actually in connection of everything that's happening in the live action series because the live action series is considered like our universe as opposed to all these other universes that is going on right now so let's talk about real quick the people that were able to be a part of this episode so let me tell you jeffrey wright is just absolutely awesome i love him as the watcher i i mean now granted there are other watchers in the universe um but man, he he's he's made it his own. He's they absolutely if they wanted to, they can do another version of the Watcher and it'd be another Watcher, but not in particular, uh, particularly his Watcher. But Jeffrey Wright set the standards for you know playing the Watcher. I thought he did a tremendous job. Uh, Clinton Barton, Jerry, Jeremy Reiner has been reprising this role all through every episode that he's been a part of in this series, and he's done a great job being him in this case. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch comes back at the end to be the dark version the um the strange supreme benedict uh, cumberbach i should say um so he's it's gonna be interesting to see how he comes back uh of course we know um scarlett johansson is not playing black widow but lake bell who also plays poison ivy in the um oh god oh god i'm, I'm blanking out uh she's poison ivy on the harley quinn uh tv series on uh disney uh, not disney plus on hbo max and again she does really well here i love her as both characters you know she's hilarious as um poison ivy on that show she's awesome here as black widow she's really coming to her own with this character toby jones however does reprise his role as armin zola and you really i mean you could replace that voice if you wanted to but to be honest it it, it, it no you can't <laughs> you can't. I love him as Armazola. He does such a great job. He's he really plays the part well. Uh, turn as far as Ultron is concerned, I'm really surprised that they didn't get James Spader to reprise his role as this character. But they didn't. But in his place, I think is a very suitable replacement. Uh, Ross Menquin, uh, Marquin, who play um, who's on a Walking Dead. Uh, we've seen him before to, uh, on the role. He's a really fan favorite character on that show. Uh, with his character there and um he played ultron here and i thought he did a great job playing sounding like james spader in this case and nobody else nobody complained no, nobody online complained because they were so focused more on the fact that ultron's killed thanos in a matter of seconds literally you could count to three and it was done okay so it wasn't convincing enough alone man Ultra, and, and can i say too that i, I look say what you will at one point there was an argument that thanos was the greatest among the all the um, marvel cinematic universe ultron was never anywhere near on that list until now there's a lot of people saying that ultron is in fact this version of ultron this you this this multiverse version of ultron with the infinity stones with the vision body is the baddest 
character in all of the multiverse right now. Undeniable. Whoever came up with the idea to do this, just absolutely brilliant. Uh, the short time we got to see Captain America was by Josh Keaton, who's played him on the other uh, episodes as, um, you know, the vo as playing the Chris Evans version of him as well as as well as um, Mick uh, Wingert making his return for the short episode, a short scene with him and Tony Stark as well. And of course, uh, Alexander uh, Daniels playing as Cal uh, Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel as well. So there you have it, folks. Just a phenomenal episode of What If and If look if you don't like what they're doing with this series i don't know what to tell you they give you everything that marvel fans can love and i'm even watching the kirby dots flow in animation right now with this awesome fighting scene look the armor of the watcher is just everything about this just beautifully done this is by far absolutely i'll say it again the greatest marvel animated series of all time and i don't see anything else topping this you can't, it, there's nothing that's going to top this hell i will even this is the one series that can say is actually better than anything that dc animation studios has come out in terms of dc it just is in every way so oh my goodness oh i can't wait for next week and the good thing is I will be able to watch that episode next week. I won't be able to, re to review it and talk about it, but I will be watching. I will definitely be watching. So I am so looking forward to it. So folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back. And while I'm so excited about talking about what if, I got to switch gears and talk about Venom, let there be carnage. And we'll talk about all that, including the bombshell end credit scene that everybody was hoping for, quote unquote. So we'll talk about that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! This is Tom Gibbous, the voice of Shikamaru Nara from Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. And it's not a drag. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Wait. All right, folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and I am here to review and give thoughts on Venom. Let there be carnage. As you can hear the tone of my voice, you can tell that things the shift is about to change very differently from what I was just talking about Marvel's what if episode with Ultron. Um, yeah, like it is crazy because it's both Marvel projects in here, but this is Sony doing their own thing. And again, for those of you who've heard me before as a Mar not only a Marvel fan, not only just a Spider-Man fan, but even more importantly, a Venom fan. I would I, I guess you could call me a venom purist I guess if you will maybe um but I grew up 
with Venom in my life since the beginning. Like I was reading co these comics in the 90s. I've read Spider-Man 300 and leading up to the premiere of, you know, the debut of Venom and knowing the story, the, the true backstory, the true awesome backstory of Venom uh, that was created by Marvel and, you know, illustrated by Todd McFarlane and stuff and the dark nature of this character and Eddie Brock and everything. It breaks my heart to see that Yes, we finally got the special effects right for this character, but in terms of storytelling and story and character development, it is so far from wrong because they made Eddie Brock and Venom a comedic duo, a, a comedy gag. It was it's a joke when this entire series should be anything but like venom is not a character that should be comedy and all through the entire all, all bit of one hour and 30 minutes of this movie was them two having some type of buddy cop like relationship and venom cracking jokes and doing crazy things and having all these you know being very charismatic and everything dude like i grew up with this idea that venom was supposed to be the greatest villain spider-man has ever faced and the one character that spider-man was afraid of a character so vicious that it took it put mary jane into therapy at the very sight of the black costume because it was a actual living symbiote and it, it really broke my heart it really broke my heart to see this character being portrayed this way now and now with that said there is going to be some positive things that i'm going to say about this movie this movie is not from the lack of talent it is not from the lack of acting it's not from the lack of caliber of talent if this was any other movie based on any other character i think this movie would i would probably enjoy this this movie a lot better it's based on one of the greatest supervillains in marvel history and he's not only portrayed as a comedy act but he's also portrayed as a hero even maybe later on down the line yes he ended up like especially when he was with flash when the symbiote uh, merged with flash thompson that's a whole nother thing and i actually did love the team up of the symbiote and flash coming together i, I it was some of my favorite um comics and i hated that they canceled that series but and then on down the line, they gave Eddie Brock cancer and all this stuff, which is weird. But um, yeah, man, it, it's it, it, it really broke my heart because like for those who are casual fans, and I think casual fans enjoys this movie more than the hardcore fans who know about the true story of Eddie Brock and, and his affiliation with Peter Parker. And for those again, for those who are new to this show right now and, and, and is listening like Peter, like Peter Parker, the, the basic premise of Venom and why Sony has screwed up the entire storytelling of them. And now when it comes up to them meeting up with um, Peter at this point, is that originally, Peter, and, and for, for, I, I would tell you this, people hated Spider-Man 3, but I would tell you this, Sam Raimi got the story right. He got, I mean, we could talk all about the dancing situation, all we want with the Venom thing, the storytelling of the black suit of the symbiote and 
the in, in the storytelling of how Brock ended up with the symbiote and his in his hate, hatred for Peter, it was spot on. It was you got to give Sam Raimi credit at this point in time for this because if you compare it to what you see here, I would I, look if I had the choice to say to watch Spider-Man three or Venom, I'm going to Spider-Man three, regardless of its imperfections. They got the story right. I don't. I never agree with Topper Gracie being Eddie Brock. Okay, like it just didn't work. I'd rather have Brock Lesnar be Eddie Brock than this. But the thing is, is that. I thought Tom Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock is better. I think the Venom on the on Spider-Man 3 is the better choice. If you can merge those two together, you would have the perfect Venom. Just bar none. Um, and you guys remember, like Eddie Brock was a he is a journalist. And they got that part right. He is a journalist for the daily for the Daily Bugle. But turns out he was putting out fake news about this villain called the Sin Eater. Peter Parker exposed him and his credibility for it. Eddie Brock ended up hating Peter Parker for it. I mean, despised him because he ruined his reputation and career. This was at the time when, um, when, when Peter had the black suit, but found out that it was a living symbiote and wanted to get rid of it. So he got the help of the Fantastic Four who found out that Sonic, um, Sonic Vibrations you know, separates him off of it and saved him because he was almost bonded with him. The symbiote was heart was broken and he started resenting Parker as well. Somehow, some way he felt and found Eddie Brock at a church, which is again, something that Sam Raimi got right because he did the church scene. He, he found the symbiote at the top and ended up merging with Brock and found out that those two had a similar thing and bond of hating Peter Parker. So they became Venom and got with Venom. The other thing that this, this doesn't do either is that they, it, it really, it's very superficial. This movie is very superficial in terms of really just talking about what Venom can do. Because in the comics, Venom can do a hell of a lot. And that's what made him such a menacing and scary character. To pe it, it really to the point that everybody thought that this character can actually kill Peter. And he may actually kill off Peter because of this character. I mean, even at one time he, he was stranded on a deserted island that nobody can uh, find him. And Peter, it, it also the other thing that was great is that Peter inability to sense Venom because his spider sense doesn't work under Venom. Um, not only that, the symbiote has, an, in the comics, the symbiote has an ability to morph and, and change and uh, create any type of synthetic clothing that Eddie thinks of in order to disguise himself to stalk Peter and Mary Jane. It was that cool. He can also turn himself invisible a la the Predator. I mean, there were so many awesome things that they didn't capitalize on. Their biggest focus about Venom in this movie was basically that Venom was connected with Brock and they had this budding relationship where Venom wants to eat everybody and and Brock is trying to be Brock and everything and it's just like they totally dropped a ball I think performance wise I think they did a great job what I didn't know also is the director this time around they didn't use the same director as the last one they actually used of all people Andy Serkis <laughs> who is Ulysses Claw in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, uh, he's Caesar on, on Planet of the Apes as well. Like he directed this movie. I thought this was very interesting. 
to his credit, he made a solid movie. But in terms of authenticity and stuff like that, I, 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 you know, or, you know, accuracy. And I don't fault him. I, I really don't fault him. I don't necessarily fault I, Tom Hardy and they, they, Tom Hardy did the story. Kelly Marcel did the screenplay. Like, and I tried to look at this movie, especially in, in, in the spirit of what if. I tried to think of this as another what if universe. And to some cases, yes, we can think of this as another what if universe where these two exist without Peter Parker. So I even took it as that, but even still, it was far, still a little bit far fetched up at least till the end. <laughs> I mean, the, the performances were great. There was no problems with the performances. Um, Tom Hardy did play good. You know, it, it, he was Eddie Brock. I felt like he played at Eddie Brock, but not the Eddie Brock I wanted to see. Um, Michelle Williams did well as Anne um, Welling as well. For, um, Naomi Harris plays Frances Barrington, who is in the comics as another character as well. Uh, I believe what is she in um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Let me look this up real quick. She is Shriek, which plays up to the character that she is. So I, I did like that they added her to it as well. Um, you also had uh, Stephen Graham, who's playing Detective Mulligan, who also in the comics will be playing as another symbiote down the line. And they kind of set, to, you know, they planted the seeds for that as well. So, but I honestly, I would say if I give this any positive, it will be because of the performance of Woody Harrelson, who played Cletus Cassidy, who honestly, it's like the one guy who would be perfect. And I, I feel like there were conversations in the past of if they ever did a Carnage movie, Woody Harrelson would be perfect for it, especially because of his performance in, um, in uh, Natural Born Killers. He's, it would be perfect. So they finally actually did get Woody Harrelson and too much people's delight. I think he was the MVP of the movie. I I did enjoy his portrayal as um, Cletus Cassidy. I did enjoy the Carnage character way more than I did because I thought the Carnage character played to the comics way more than than Eddie Brock and Venom. I thought they were working on too much comedy with the with with the Venom character. I to me this should not have been a comedy. This whole thing and for God's sake, I was not a fan of the you know venom in a rave party scene where everybody's like in costume and everything they think is he's um in cosplay or whatever i was not a fan of that at all i it, it was it wasn't long but it was still it was just like it, it was just everything that i didn't really like like if they would have waited if they would have at least waited or gotten a chance to play him again in in even a sony universe again or whatever I don't know the way that they they're so backwards and everything that they're doing because they they were going to do the black uh cat and uh silver sable movie and i think they're still on the line but now you know peter's in the movie now so they'll be able to add that on i don't know what their plans is i think they i don't i think they don't know what their plans is now and i don't know what amy pascal is up to with this but everything just seems so convoluted in this world and so I honestly, I couldn't enjoy this movie. I and, and take truth be told, in the theater that I was in, there was like at least maybe twenty people in the theater. Did not fill up the theater at all because people are still, you know, going through their situations and divide with the pandemic right now. 
but it was far if you know because it was 20 people everybody was spaced out significantly uh distance pretty much in this case whether you're vaccinated or not but that's not that's beside the point the deal was was like did people enjoy this film and let me tell you i've been in theaters where there was marvel movies a lot i've just we went my wife and i went to a movie tavern to go see uh shang chi the reaction from people in shang chi compared to reaction of people in let there be carnage night and day we there were people who were laughing that were you know excited when they were watching that movie i went in to watch this one there was only literally i'm not joking there was one person who we were truly enjoying i think she it, it, I, I can't speak for her but she it just seemed like she was just one of those people that was just enjoying the fact that venom was on a movie in a movie but didn't care about the accuracy i don't i can't say whether she knows the you know actual story of venom or not you know, I know most people who I've spoken with who have read the book knows the character of Venom and the essence of Venom. And they wanted to see that that pure Venom villain uh, villainy come out, even though Carnage was a part of this. And by the time Carnage was in this, yeah, Venom did become a kind of an in the gray character. But it wasn't even still he still had hatred for Peter. But uh, yeah, man, it, it, it's just in it, it, like everybody else in the theater were just like dead quiet there was one guy there was always one person in the theater that's like forced laughing he, he was laughing he was forcing out a laugh to make it seem like it wasn't that bad but nobody else was laughing so he kind of looked like an idiot himself but like the only time people really got excited throughout this entire movie this entire one and a half movie was the end credit it's the one thing the one damn thing uh and it's not to say that what was going on wasn't funny or whatever like that but it was like like if you it just it's just people weren't into it just it's just a, you know if this was a focus group and it kind of was in the sense of if this was a focus group like 20 people in the theater watching it how are they going to react what do they think honestly it would probably be a fail because like there was no reaction coming out at all but like compare that to any marvel movie that we've ever seen you get a reaction even i think black widow would probably get a better reaction in this and that was like probably one of the lesser you know the lesser of the bunch that they came out with that and thor um it, it just didn't work for me man it's not to say that like i mean like i said under any other name under any other premise or whatever this will be a fun action-based movie but this is based on one of Marvel's greatest villains, villain characters, and one of Spider-Man's greatest adversaries. And this was a world without Spider-Man at the time, up until the end credit. And let's talk about that end credit real quick, because that's when everybody literally woke up. I even stepped out of the movie theater for half a bit just to go get something. And that, that was just like, I, I didn't care what I missed at this point. It was like, I never leave. If, I'm, if I really want to see a movie, I never leave. Even if I got to go to the bathroom, I never leave to go to the bathroom until that movie's over. I didn't do that shit for Snake Eyes. Like, seriously. And, and not to say the Snake Eyes wasn't good. I actually love Snake Eyes, but it was like, that wasn't a Marvel movie to me. It was like, I didn't know what to expect because G.I. Joe movies aren't usually that good. That one just happened to be one of the best ones there. And I was like, yeah, I'm staying for this. I don't want to miss a damn thing. And let there be carnage. Let there be bathroom breaks <laughs> in this case. So let's go to the end credit. So 
Eddie and Venom decides that they want to go to a faraway island where they can um, find some peace and quiet from all the chaos that's hap that happened prior to. And when all of a sudden, a flash of light has had, you know, came out of the entire room and the entire hotel room that they were in changed. They suddenly look into the TV or if you look at the TV, they're still talking. Venom and, and Betty is still talking, but you're looking at the TV and you look in the corner of your eye and what appears on TV is reporting an incident is J. Jonah Jameson, who is on the, t not even just J. Jonah Jameson played by R.K. Rowling, uh, not R.K. Rowling. Um, what is the, okay. I think it is R.K. Rowling, isn't it? Let me see. Give me a sec. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Spider there we go. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Wait, how am I getting? Okay, there we go. Um, but no, we get J. Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson on there. Oh, R.K. Uh, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> I said the Harry Potter trick. Um, no, J.K. Simmons. You know, reprises his role as J. Jonah, Jonah Jameson, but it, doing the very clip that we saw at the end of Spider-Man: Far From Home. So they're, they're watching that on TV and they see Peter Parker, AKA Tom Holland on there. And yeah, man, um, this is official. It's official. The merge of the Sony universe and the Marvel Cinematic Universe has officially connected. So the question is, oh, and by the way, Venom actually is taking very much interest in the sight of Peter Parker and tells Eddie to, that we need to keep an eye on him for some reason. Um, I don't know to what end that means, but you know, they were obviously going to see an Eddie or Eddie, uh, Brock and Venom encounter with Peter Parker. But how was that's going to piss me off more because there is no, <laughs> when they meet up, their interaction is supposed to be very important because in hindsight, Venom is supposed to hate Peter. Eddie Brock is supposed to despise Peter but they never met. So their encounter is going to be strange because they're probably going to be teaming up together. I don't know what Sony's, what, what, what Amy Pascal is going to do from here. I don't, I just don't know. I, I really, so regardless of Tom Holland, yeah, I mean, we knew this was coming eventually, but now it's official that they're merging this together. And this means that Peter is eventually going to migrate over from the Marvel Cinematic Universe over to the Sony-verse. The great part about this is that once he does that, we can not, uh, we can still, we can say that it's a part, it's all together, but we can all still separate the Marvel Cinematic Universe to the Sony-verse transition. And whatever happens in there, happens there but it doesn't take away from all of the great awesome things that he did in marvel cinematic universe and we'll see if they if they will be able to do with marvel Cinematic. yeah i know they're using the same director and everything but we'll see how everything goes there they have to do this right <laughs> this is crucial this is crucial to them doing this okay and they've done it they've done some things right they look what they did with um enter the spider-verse that was awesome so Let's hope. Let's, let's just hope for there. But it, it, as far as my thoughts on the movie in terms of grading overall, I didn't enjoy it uh, for the reason why I should enjoy it. I didn't like to see Venom as a comedic character, nor Eddie Brock. 
the only saving grace, like I said, was to me Woody Harrelson playing Cletus Cassidy. Um, other than that, it's just I I just I couldn't get down with this. I couldn't get down with it. I did I didn't feel this at all. Um, I did. Naomi Harris was pretty good as Francis um, Barrison. I I thought they th those two clicked together as like a Bonnie and Clyde esque natural born killers type of vibe to it. Um, I thought it was cool. Uh, Peggy Lou, who played Mrs. Chen, I thought was cute as well. Uh, outside of that, it was just everything else. Was just like I, I couldn't get down with it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I felt the same way I felt when I watched um, the first one, and I didn't go into theaters to watch it because I knew I wasn't gonna like the way that they were handling the character. This was no different. it is what it is like um it was it's a watch this one was I, I would say this this one is a little bit more watchable than the other one but it doesn't justify it in, indeed it's still there's still some really pro a lot of bad problems with this with this uh with this movie right now so um what can i say i i you know I, i'm probably being really good with this by giving this this grade but a lot of other like IDMDB gave it a six people rated it on IMDB as 6.7 out of 10. Um, and this was from like, I believe 7,000 over 7,000 young people who rated the movie. So that's what it came out. I can kind of agree with that, but I'm going to be a little bit more nicer to them. In this case, I will give it a solid C saying that it is watchable at best. Um, but it, it just, it, it's not going down as one of the best things ever. Like, Into the Spider-Verse is still the best Sony has done in years. Wow. They got a 59% on Rotten Tomatoes as well. Uh, audience score, 86%. Again, it's not to say that nobody's going to like it, but there's a lot of people who, especially our Marvel fans, the hardcore, I think will not enjoy it as much. Um, there's going to be a casual audience who won't understanding if you're a casual fan who's never read the book you're probably enjoying it just for this, the spectacle of it but in terms of you know accuracy and all the stuff it just doesn't go so if i'm going to give this a grade i'm giving it a c and just i mean it's the best i can do and i think that might be an even a better grade than i gave the first one too so i mean play at your own risk but it's only an hour and a half you gotta it's an hour and a half movie just for end credit and at the end of the day it's not worth it just Go on. This is one that you can go online and be spoiled by and find out what the hell is going on. Or you listen to my show right now and find out it's good. But like at best, at best, at least I got my answer there. They are merging the two together, but sitting through an hour and a half just to get that information. It wasn't worth it. It just wasn't worth it at all. So it's a shame because, again, Tom Hardy is great at being Eddie Brock, but I think just the character direction the comedic version of a eddie brock is just not a good eddie brock to me um and it, it's just it's it's a underutilized character at this point so uh, it's a shame but it is what it is folks that is that does it this is it that'll do it for this episode of talk time live and um thank you guys for listening i god i'm such it's such a downer <laughs> so um yeah this is this is it uh this will be the last show until um let me see let me look at the calendar here will not be doing it this week uh so 7th through the 10th i will be in new york and i will come back so the week of the 15th 
in the 17th, I will be having new shows coming back. Metroid Dread will be out when I am at San Diego, um, not San Diego, uh, New York Comic Con. And um, I've already, it's already downloaded and ready. Hopefully I will be able to achieve another operation while I'm in New York. And I will, I, I rather, regardless whether I, I succeed in this mission or not, I will let you know. I will definitely let you know, but I'm just, I don't want to say it in, in, in hope and in possibility of jinxing myself. So I will leave that open for now, but, um, I will be in New York. I will just, uh, be, I will be at Comic-Con. I will also be in other places as well. So stay tuned for my little trip back. But when I come back, I'll probably talk about my thoughts on the, uh, on, uh, what if and rank up all of, of the shows so far. So I'll do that. So thank you again, everybody. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we in a new month. Thank you again for September for making that another record breaking month of uh, people downloading and subscribing. I'm really happy about that. I, I'm just grateful of it all. So if you want to check out this episode and all of our episodes, of course, where do you go? You go to talktimelive.com. You check out our official website and you can see everything from our episodes here. You can also check out all of our content, our video content, our blogs, everything is over there right now. There will be some added content in there very soon. Uh, not just a podcast, but you know, something, oh God, especially when I um, come back from San Diego, um, New York comic, I keep saying San Diego from New York comic con, I will have pictures on the blog and everything going from there. I will talk about my experiences when I come back as well. So you'll get all that on our website. So stay tuned for that. Definitely. Hopefully I can really get some really awesome, cool, special things going on uh, while I'm there. So we'll see. And again, thank you for Repop for everything in accordance to that as well. So hopefully this regardless of the fact that it is you know still the pandemic and everything i'm hoping that this turns out to be a very successful event for them i don't i don't know or don't think it will be as successful as it was prior years but you know we we're all going through this together in a situation where we're all trying to gain momentum back and we're all trying to you know just get our get normality back and hopefully you know this event will do it People are hurting right now still. Hopefully this event will help people bring back into perspective and bring joy and hope again. So I am ready for it. I am definitely ready. Uh, if you want to subscribe and download to all of your favorite podcast platforms, we're everywhere from Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast, Pandora, and of course, Tumblr. Shout out to all my Tumblr people in the Tumblr community out there. So thank you again, everybody. I really appreciate it. That'll do it for me on behalf of myself. This is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and be safe, everybody.
Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.